Trevor Riley joining us now. Utah grad assistant Trevor, good morning. Morning, guys. How you doing? Good. I think people are curious. In these changing times, what are the duties of a Utah grad assistant right now? Everything's so different. Well, with all of, all of us admins and grad assistants, it's just kind of work under your coach. So I work kind of with Fred Whittingham, so basically I'm just picking up the slack wherever he needs it. But there's not a whole lot to do besides put together uh, some clips or some quiz assignments for these guys and just stay in touch with the kids but there's not a whole lot that uh everybody's doing right now so the draft is coming up trevor you were part of the draft as you approached the draft what was your emotions you know i had i had mixed emotions i knew i probably wasn't going to go early but i didn't think i was going to be a seventh rounder i thought i would fall somewhere between the fourth and fifth round based on what teams my agent was saying um I, I went out and played golf during the day just because I couldn't on the third day. I didn't think I was going the first two days on the third day just because I couldn't uh, put my mind like just to watch the whole thing. And I got I was getting phone calls the whole day about teams. You know, if I don't go drafted, they want to sign me. It's almost like being in high school again. You have teams recruiting you. Then the Jets called me and uh, they're like, "Hey, you know, we got a couple picks left. We're thinking about taking you, but if we don't, we want you to come with us." And I said. Let me just tell you, if you got a couple picks left and you don't take me, there's no way in hell I'm going with you guys. I hung up the phone, <laughs> and then about 10 minutes later, they drafted me with the last pick in their draft. Uh, and my agent called me and said, what, what happened? I said, I told him, I said, if you don't take me, I'm not, I'm not going to you guys. i got plenty of other teams I can go to as an undrafted guy. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of a crazy roller coaster up and down uh, for, the, for three days. Was your agent surprised you said that? Did he coach you uh, up a little bit? He's like, man, you probably should have consulted me on that. I said, oh, yeah, I kind of got caught up in the heat of the moment, but I really, I would, I wouldn't have gone to him anyway. So, and as it turned out, they actually liked that answer, and it, that, according to them, it, it made them want to draft me. This is a guy, DJ, who once threw a football over the South Stadium stands in a game. So he got caught up in the moment. He's always caught up in the moment. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you could, that could be said about Trevor Riley, I guess. But it, it was fun, man. The draft was, uh, it was one of those things where you hear your name on, I didn't hear it on TV, but I was listening to the radio as I was coming home from golf, and you hear it, it's pretty cool that um, you know, no matter what happens, I can always say I was drafted, so it was kind of a cool thing. So what have you told the Ute players heading into the draft now, or do you not tell them anything you wait to be asked? How does that work? No, well, I mean, we've had discussions. There's a few former NFL guys on, on on Utah staff that have been through the process, and so they come up and ask you, "Hey, what you know? What what can I expect?" You know, my agents tell me this. I'm going to go between these rounds, and what you always say is, um, "What do they say?" Uh, oh, you never want to um, say that you're going to go higher and then go lower. So you want to over deliver. So people ask you, "Yeah, I'll probably be a late round guy." undrafted that way if you go early it's always better than say oh yeah i'm first or second round and then you drop to the sixth or seventh it's not a good look so i always tell the guys just hey man expect to be undrafted Uh, you never know with the draft especially with this whole crazy thing going on and the lack of pro days and interviews it's going to be tough for some of our guys uh who didn't get to go to to the combine Uh, i assume it's probably going to be tougher for them to get drafted I, i hope it's not but the whole process is weird as it is, and then you throw this element into it, and it becomes just a weird, it'll be a weird three days. 
One of the things we've been discussing is the level of importance on the amount of guys being drafted in a program. The Utes, this is going to be a banner year for them in terms of the number of guys drafted. You go down to the Cougars, doesn't look like they're going to have anybody drafted. How much do you think being drafted and the number of guys drafted or not drafted affects recruiting? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's huge. Imagine if you're a kid and a program walks in there and says, hey, we had eight or nine guys drafted last year. And over the last five years, we average about five or six drafted versus a program and say, hey, we have a guy drafted every four years. I mean, that's tough. Uh, that, that, that's, that's a selling point that can't be ignored. Um, it's not to say that it always works, but I know for me, it would, it would hold some water. I'd be like, okay, well, this program, you know, they develop players and they, NFL teams, they like the players that come out of this program. I think that's been a, um, it's kind of been that way since Coach Mack was here, really. Um, Utah guys have done well in the NFL, and, and teams like the toughness and they like the, the, the attitude and the work ethic that a lot of the players that come out of Utah, that they come to the league with. I'm a typical uh, shallow media guy and fan, so I expect instant results instantly. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. And it seems like at linebacker for the U, it's been a long, slow grind. The talent keeps improving. But it's always surprised me that high school linebackers don't look at the Ute defensive line and think, oh, I'm going to play behind those guys and I'm going to make plays and look good. And it seems like the U's getting there, but man, it seems like it's been a long, slow haul. Yeah, it is. And, and really, it's a hard position to recruit. Defensive end is maybe the hardest one to find, in, in my opinion. Finding a high school defensive end who's ready to come in and play. And I think linebacker is probably right behind that. You know, corner and DB, if you're fast and you have some skills, you can play there. Defensive line, if you, if you tackle, if you're big, you know, we can plug you in there. But DNs, you know, you're kind of born with it. You kind of, kind of, you got to have that juice and you got to have that mentality and attitude, kind of like Bradley. He's just a, a natural defensive end. There's not a lot of those guys around the whole country. Um, you always see a lot of guys switching positions from receiver or tight end or, or running back, even to linebacker. You see that with defensive end, too. And, and with, at linebacker, we've done that. I mean, Devin Lloyd was a receiver and a safety, I think, in high school, and he's now physically as good a looking linebacker as you'll find around the country. Uh, Cody Barton was a safety. Chase Hansen was a quarterback. Uh, I was uh, a linebacker. They turned into a defensive end slash outside linebacker. Uh, Paul Kruger was a quarterback. So we, we've had success moving guys from different positions because it's very, very hard to find a high school linebacker who's ready to come in and play in our system, who has the right size and speed and uh, instincts to be ready to contribute. So uh, we've done a great job with Coach Scally and, and Coach Whittingham finding those guys and, and, and making them for the right, making them fit those two position groups. Talk about finding those guys, Trevor, and I can use that generally. Kyle Whittingham has made a living out of finding, quote-unquote, those guys. Because I remember you told me you were a two-star coming out of high school down there in California, and obviously you superseded and exceeded that star ranking, whatever it was. What makes him and Morgan and these guys be so good at being able to, quote, find those guys? Well, I mean, there, there are just so many examples. I mean, uh, you look at a guy like Paul, Paul Solia. He he came in as an offensive lineman. The JC, highly re- recruited JC offensive lineman. It wasn't working out with him and the coach or him and the system. And Coach Quentin Gary Anderson said, hey, we'll take you on defense. 
plays one year defensive line gets drafted in the third or fourth round. He's just always had that knack, Coach Whip talking about, of seeing the big picture with guys. Hey, can he run? Is he tough? Is he willing to hit? Okay, we can find a place for him. And he'll move you around until you find, you find the right spot. Uh, and I don't know if it's patience or if it's just uh, a will to think we're not going to give up on this kid. And that's one of those things that he's always been good at. He, he doesn't give up on kids easy, man. If you're not working out here, we'll move you. We'll find a place for you. And so as far as recruiting goes, we always look to find guys that fit a certain mold physically. Um, sometimes you take the guys that are undersized and all that, but we try to find guys that, hey, can they run? Are, are they long? Are they tough? We'll find a place for them. So how much is that recipe being disturbed by the fact that you're missing a lot of spring practices, that the whole off season is a mess, guys can't, I mean, there's always limitations about what you can do with coaches, but players can get together, except now players can't get together. How much does this mess with that, that whole routine, that whole pattern that Kyle has built up over the years? Oh yeah, I'm sure it's we're gonna. There's gonna be some effects, but you know the good thing is it affect, it's affecting everybody. So we're kind of in the same boat. The one difference is we got a lot of uh, young guys on defense as far as playing experience, and and some young guys on offense too. But uh, those lost reps, if we don't get them back, that's probably gonna hurt us a little bit. But we'll, those guys always find a way, man. Coach Scally and the defensive staff. Over the years, they've always found a way. We've always said, oh, we're graduating all these guys. You know, we just lost Chase and. And Cody, and they plug in, you know, Francis and Devin, and you know they were as good or right there near that level. So uh, they find ways to make guys get the scheme, whether it's dumbing down the scheme because we don't have the reps, or whether it's just making sure those guys get extra reps during practice. They'll find a way, but it affects everybody, man. It's not just Utah, but all these schools, especially the ones that aren't Alabama and Clemson that don't have the five-star guys, it's going to hurt those those teams. We were talking about, too, how the difference between BYU and Utah has never been greater. I don't think you can argue that. How much of the fact do you think that if you want to play in the NFL, you just have a better shot at Utah? Well, you know, when you start getting into those conversations, you start making people mad, and it's not always good to throw shade at your rival school. I just think that we're in a different place. You know, it's, it's a little bit harder to recruit down there with the LDS and honor code thing. And obviously we have the Pac-12 going for us. So it's just we're in two different spots. I mean, BYU's put out some good players too. I mean, Kyle Van Noy, Danny Sorensen, you're talking about Super Bowl winners, uh, Ziggy On. So they've had their fair share of guys, the Kafusi brothers. It's just that we're at a different place now as far as the Pac-12 and, and obviously uh, you know, our scheduling and things like that where um, I guess we're not, we're not always recruiting the same type of guy. And um, that's just the way it is right now. How are you staying in touch with the active guys and making sure they're working out, improving, whether it's watching film or having a place to work out? Because, you know, so many places and guys are from all over the place and different counties and different states have different rules. But a lot of guys just don't have access to gyms the way they would used to. They can't be on campus. What are you doing? Coach LSI has done a great job, our, our strength and conditioning coach, of putting out two kinds of workouts, one for a home workout and one for if you have access to weights in the treadmill or whatever. And so really it's on the honor code system. Uh, we're in communication with those guys four to five times a week with uh, meetings uh, when, when we have, when the NCAA has allowed us to have that time. And, uh, you know, quizzes on Google Classroom. And so we're definitely keeping in touch with the guys and checking in on them. But at the end of the day, it is an honor code system, uh, an honor system. I mean, they have to do what they say they're going to do, and we have to believe them. There's not much more we can do besides that. In terms of the NFL, take a guy who is like yourself. You were at the end of the draft. 
I, I suppose you could have been a free agent. How much do you think that if you're good enough, you'll make it, or you really need to be in the right situation? Well, that's an interesting question. There are teams in the NFL where, and it's very political, they, they, they will protect their draft picks. The GM and sometimes the head coach, you know, if you start cutting your draft picks and you're not winning, it's not a good look for the for the fan base and for the rest of the league. Like, hey, this guy is incompetent as a drafter. He keeps cutting all his draft picks. But there are other teams, like New England, for example, they don't care where you're drafted. If you're out playing the second rounder, first rounder, you're going to play. And that's just the way it is. And there, it, it, there's two different types of teams out there. there obviously, some probably fall in the middle. But I've played on different staffs where it was both ways, you know. There, there was a rumor, not a rumor, there was a, in Cincinnati under the old regime, you know, they, they seemed to always keep their draft picks. They didn't sign a whole, they didn't keep a whole lot on draft free agent guys. And in New England, they kept a lot of them. So it really just depends on what, uh, what team you get on and what the right fit is for the system and the scheme. But there's all kinds of games that go on between the front office and the, and the coaching staff, and they battle over what guys to keep and what not to keep. So it, it, it's an interesting dynamic there. So that same thing can play out with veterans, and you mentioned the Patriots. What did you think of the whole uh, Tom Brady scenario and him ending up in Tampa Bay? What does it mean for the Patriots, and what does it mean for the Bucks? Well, I mean, I think Bill's always thought uh, it's better to get out a year early than a year late. <laughs> Excuse me. Not to say that Tom is going to be done in a year, but you know, to give a 42-year-old whatever, however much much money it was, I'm sure he thought, you know, the rest of our roster needs to get better. Tom, if we're going to be able to compete with you as our quarterback. So uh, you understand that part. And then Tom obviously was probably, I'm not going to go somewhere where they don't have weapons. In New England, they they lacked some juice on offense at the end of the season. So it was kind of a, I think it was in, what do you call it, a a both sides easy breakup. Uh, I don't think there's very many hard feelings. Obviously, if Tom plays them, he's probably going to go all out and try to destroy them. But at the end of the day, it was probably a good fit for both of them to separate at this stage in in, in, the, in Tom's career. So you have experience being in that New England organization. Do you have to be cold-hearted in a sense? Oh, yeah. Every day you go in there thinking you might be cut, man. It's a very, very ruthless capitalist program. Uh, it's what have you done for me lately. I remember a guy who was defensive player of the week one week. The next week he didn't play very well. And then the, the week after in trouble with the travel team so you see that kind of hey if you're not playing well you're not playing all across the board uh obviously there was an exception for tom but he usually seemed to play well every week but the rest of everybody else if you weren't playing well we got to find someone who is trevor riley joining us a former youth star now on the youth staff up there on the hill and so uh as you're watching all this uh play out how much of this, uh, it's what you said earlier, like everyone's going through this. How much of the success is just going to be mental toughness right now? How much of the other stuff is going to go by the boards and we're going to see some teams crack and some teams not when we get back to playing, whenever that is? That's a great question. I think uh, with a lack of reps, I assume there's probably not going to be a makeup of a spring ball. If there isn't, it's going to be come down in a shortened training camp. It's going to come down to knowing the system and the coaches making sure they don't overcomplicate things because, like you said, there's going to be a lack of of reps and lack of uh, time around the facility. So uh, a lot of it's going to be coaching, man. you got to put your guys in the right position and make sure they know what they're doing. 
I'm sure there'll be a lot of growing pains early on in the season, but uh, usually how it goes after the first, you get so much better between week one and two, and it kind of goes that way towards the end of the year. Uh, if you can keep that pattern of getting better every week, you should be okay. But like I said, you need to make sure that in the system that you're running that guys know what they're doing and they can play fast. So have you decided that uh, coaching is the career for you? As of right now, I'm enjoying it, man. It's kind of like a, a drug. It's hard to it's hard to give it up, man. It, being a part of the game and the team and the camaraderie and the locker room and the scheming and the planning, it, it's very it's a lot of fun. And uh, you get to impact young young men's lives, and I'm enjoying it. It's been it's been really really fun. We need you to uh, go back to your uh, your radio roots. You've done a little radio here. I want you to yeah. uh, settle an argument between PK and I that actually peripherally involved you. I was making the point about the um, the uh, recent quarterback developments at the U. You got a four star transfer. You got another four-star transfer. You got a verbal commitment. I know you can't talk about him by name, but you got a verbal commitment from a four-star guy. And I'm like, you, they didn't go very far when they didn't have any four-star guys. Now they're getting them. One of these quarterbacks has to pay off. You bring in a bunch of them. They can't all pay off. They're probably too close together in age. But one of them is going to pay off. And they've gotten a lot of other things right. If they get high-level quarterback play, best quarterback play I ever got was this past year. That's the best quarterback play you've gotten in the Pac-12 era. And sure enough... You're 11-1 and one going to the conference title game. So PK Middle brings up, yeah, but Trevor was a two-star, and look at all he did. And so I think there's always the place for the two-star. You know, if the coaches see a guy and they think he can be a player and he has a two-star, you take him. But I think if you don't, you got to have the four-stars to get where you really want to go. What portion of that do you buy? What portion do you not buy? All you got to do is look at the top four teams at the end of the year. And pretty much every year it's Blue Blood teams. And the Blue Blood teams, they have – usually the best recruiting classes. So, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a place for guys like me who are under the radar, but those days have kind of passed, man. With the internet and recruiting, you kind of know and find everybody. There's not a whole lot of secrets lying around out there uh, with the way the recruiting landscape is. So if we had our way, I'm sure every school would be that way. We would sign as many four and five stars as possible. Uh, obviously, if you take a flyer on a guy every once in a while who's got the physical tools, but he's just not there yet uh, as far as the play goes, you know those guys can pan out too. But you're better off, I think, in the, the odds taking the better players that have higher physical attributes. More often than not, those guys are going to pan out for you. And all you have to do is look at the final four each year, really the final eight, and those teams are just loaded with talent, man. So our, our, we're trying to get the best players we can every year, man. Um, uh, whether those are two-star or five-star, we're trying to find the best players. But more often than not, the four- and five-stars are going to pan out higher than the one- and two-star guys. Well, I want you to know, Trevor, in my heart, you'll always be a five-star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, PK. Appreciate, I appreciate that. For a washed-up player like myself, that, that goes a long way. Thank you. <laughs> You're a great player in your time. Yeah, it was, it was, I had a good run, man. But uh, the players, we're getting better players now than we've ever gotten. I mean, this last recruiting class on paper is the best class we've probably ever gotten in Utah. So if everything works out we, in two or three years, it should be the best, uh, one of the best couple years that we've had here at Utah. Trevor, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Have a good time.